Hello everyone and welcome to Refinery Life Australia. I'm Gary Hoban and I'm the Senior Pastor and Lead Elder of Refinery Life Church on the beautiful Gold Coast. And if you're on the Gold Coast anytime, come and join us as we meet together and we share the word of our Lord. We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 222 Turpin Road, Labrador. And for more information, you can visit our website, which is www.refinerylife.org. We hope you enjoy this message and that you really get a touch from God today. So from the days of Adam and Eve, or when the days of Adam and Eve, they were driven from the garden. People have been in the need of a mediator who could bring them back to God. Jesus Christ is the one mediator between God and man. And this week we're continuing our series on Sunday evenings titled Jesus Christ as our High Priest. And we know that the book of Hebrews isn't the most popular book in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament, sorry. In many respects it's neglected because it reflects a lot of the Old Testament and the Jewish background that was around at the time and it permeates every chapter and that's probably what's contributed to its neglect by many pastors and by many churches. The book of Hebrews, though, however, displays and portrays an exalted concept of Jesus Christ. And this week we're talking about Christ, the living Lord. The text we're concentrating on is Hebrews 10, 22. And it says, Let us approach God with the true and sincere heart in unqualified assurance of faith, having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed pure with water. The scripture reading, which we'll work through, is Hebrews 10, 1 to 39. Now look at it. People with spiritual perception are aware of two major activities of God. He expresses his love in many ways, yet he also expresses his displeasure and the wrath to those who reject him. So he's not happy when he's rejected, and there is a wrath. The author of Hebrews was aware of God's wrathful activity, and it's important that we understand that. He wrote in Hebrews 10.31, It is a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, incurring his judgment and wrath. The scripture passage under consideration reveals several things that the living God does for us and to us as humankind. It cancels out the old in Hebrews 10, 1 to 8. And as noted in earlier passages of Hebrews, Christ cancelled the old covenant and ushered in the new covenant. And it's a shadow only. Hebrews 10, 1 says, or talks about one sacrifice of Christ that is sufficient. It says, For since the law has only a shadow, just a pale representation of the good things to come, not only not the very image of those things, it can never, by offering the same sacrifices continually year after year, make perfect those who approach its altars. The old covenant was only a shadow of the good things that were yet to come. Something that might represent, but not ever replace the real thing. And it needed repeating. Hebrews 10, 2-3 says, for if it were otherwise, 
would not these sacrifices have been stopped being offered for the worshippers having once and for all time been cleansed would no longer have a consciousness of sin? Verse 3, But as it is, these continual sacrifices bring a fresh reminder of sins to be atoned for year after year. The sacrificial system under the old covenant did not satisfy once and for all. Sacrifices needed to be offered repeatedly. And it was a faulty offering. Hebrews 10, 4-6 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ enters the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but instead you have prepared a body for me to offer. Verse 6, In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no delight. The very fact that people had to offer sacrifices for sin, they hurt God. He first desires obedience from people, not sacrifice. And the old one was built on law. Hebrews 10, 7-8 Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, to fulfill what is written of me in the scroll of the book. Verse 8 After saying in the citation above, You have neither desired nor have you taken delight in sacrifices and offerings, and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, which are offered according to the law. The old covenant was built on the foundation of law. God established a new covenant on the law of grace and love. Jesus cancelled out the old covenant by fulfilling it in the establishment of the new covenant. And it conquered, it's conquered. The old covenant is conquered by the new. Look at Hebrews 10, 9 to 17. The way of Christ conquered the old covenant was to bring the new covenant in. It was that simple. The old covenant was conquered because the new was brought in by Christ. And he's a doer of God's will as we should be. Look at Hebrews 10, 9. It says, Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. And so he does away with the first covenant as a means of atoning for the sin based on the animal sacrifices so that he may inaugurate and establish a second covenant by which, or by, sorry, by means of obedience. Jesus sought to follow God's will his entire life. This involved making a new covenant and God's will sanctifies. Hebrews 10.10 10 says, And it will... Sorry, and in accordance with this will of God, we who believe in the message of salvation have been sanctified, that is, set apart as holy for God and his purposes. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, once and for all. The major objective of God's will was to provide salvation for everyone who would accept it. We are set apart for God as the result of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice. And one sacrifice sanctified everything. Hebrews 10, 11 to 12 says, Every priest stands at his altar of service, ministering daily, offering the same sacrifices over and over, which are never able to strip away sins. They envelope and cover us. Verse 12, Whereas Christ, having offered the one sacrifice, 
the all-sufficient sacrifice of himself for sins for all time sat down, signifying the completion of atonement for sin. At the right hand of God, the position of honour. The fact that the single sacrifice of Christ was sufficient is so important that it is repeated over and over. And the enemies were conquered at this stage. Hebrews 10.13 says, Waiting from that time onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. Though a minister of concern and love, Jesus' actions brought his enemies into subjection. And sins were banished at this stage. Hebrews 10.14-17 says, For by the one offering... He had perfected forever and completely cleansed those who are being sanctified, bringing each believer into spiritual completion and maturity. And the Holy Spirit also adds his testimony to us in confirmation of this. For after having said, now we're in verse 16 now, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their heart and on their mind. I will inscribe them producing an inward change, he then says, verse 17, and their sins and their lawless acts I will remember no more, no longer holding their sins against them. When Christ establishes the new covenant within believers' hearts, he no longer remembers their sin. Isn't it interesting, though, that we can remember our brothers' and sisters' sins, but Christ does not? And this charges up the believers. Hebrews 10, 18-25 Any courage not received from God is a faulty courage. The living God encourages Christians in their daily walk. And we need boldness to enter into that. Let's look at it. Hebrews 18, sorry, 10, 18-21 It says, Now where there is absolute forgiveness, absolute forgiveness, and complete cancellation of the penalty of these things, there is no longer any offering to be made to atone for sin. And it talks about a new and living way. And then we go into verse 19. Therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells by means of the blood of Jesus, by now, sorry, by this new and living way, which he initiated and opened for us through the veil, as in the Holy of Holies, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great and wonderful priest who rules over the house of God, how good is that? When sin is conquered, all guilt and shame are stripped from the soul. Praise God for that. And in its place comes a boldness to enter the intimate presence of God. And we can draw near in assurance. Hebrews 10, 22 says, Let us approach God with a true and sincere heart in unqualified assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Godly courage instills assurance in his children's hearts. And we can hold fast to that profession. Hebrews 10, 23 tells us, let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. Steadfastness is developed in believers' lives. 
Through faith, they remain true to God's calling. And we can be exhorting one another at this stage. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as some, as is the habit of some. But encourage one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Let me tell you, folks, we can't stop meeting together. During COVID-19, many churches just stopped completely. Now, we can preach online and we can teach online, but that's not church. We can't have fellowship. We can't forsake the meeting together. And when people set things right between themselves and God, they are then more able and willing to share with others. And there's challenges for the sinners in Hebrews 10, 26 to 31. And we're all sinners. Talks about Christ or judgment. It says, for, the, for if we go on willing, willfully and deliberately sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice to atone for our sins. That is, no further offering to participate, to anticipate, sorry. Verse 27, but a kind of awful and terrifying expectation of the divine judgment and the fury of a fire and burning wrath, which will consume the adversaries, those who put themselves in opposition to God. Verse 28, anyone who has ignored and set aside the law of Moses is put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. 29, how much greater punishment do you think he will receive who has rejected and trampled underfoot the Son of God and has considered unclean and common the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and has insulted the Spirit of grace who imparts the unmerited favor and blessing of God? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, retribution and the deliverance of justice rest with me. I will repay the wrongdoer, and again the Lord will judge his people. You need to understand this. Verse 31, It is a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, incurring his judgment and wrath. Sinners will never be able to elude God's condemnation and wrath. Never. They will be dressed down at some stage by the Almighty God. And that talks about deliberate sin in verse 10.26. And sinning on purpose will draw God's anger. It doesn't matter whether you call yourself saved or not. Sinning on purpose will draw God's anger. And there's no more sacrifice in verse 10.26. If someone rejects the sacrifice of Christ, God has no other system to offer for that person's sins. Now God's alternative, it's spoken about in in verse 10, 27 to 30, God warns rebellious people about his, his jealous anger. His divine vengeance threatens those who desecrate the blood of the covenant. And there's a message of sobriety here in verse 10, 31. The living God is to be feared by unbelievers. And there's compliments for the attainers in verse, verses 10, 32 to 37. Jesus does not forget his beloved followers. He comforts those who obey him in faith. 
And then we look at past illumination in verse 1032. Listen to the master artisan as he tenderly points out deeds of the past apprentice. He is the master artisan and we are the apprentices. And there's past apprentices and there's past endurance in 1032 to 33. He's gracious to remind those under trial of their former glories and victories. How often have you been going through something? And God reminds you what you've already come through so you can have victory. And this past compassion in verse 1034, the living God made note of the compassion of his followers had previously shown to others. And then he talks about our present needs in verses 1035 and 36. God, God's will involves immediate solutions to our present needs right now as well. But he also looks at our future expectations in verses 10, 38, 39. God's greatest act is seen in Christ's physical return to redeem his people. He's coming back. The challenge for Martin Luther during the Reformation was the just shall live by faith. That was his challenge. This spiritual formula is, can, is still teaching the people of Christ today. The just shall live by faith. Now, I want to really encourage you to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us than we can get from just going to church once or twice a week or by hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him and He can make you whole, spirit, soul and body. You're important to God. You already know that. But you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe, in fact, we don't just believe, we know that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and whatever you need prayer for, even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. Until next time. Stay in the blessings.